Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by the UPS Store Canada. Standing by another episode. I'm Terry DeMonte. That's uh, Ted Bird. And as always, hi, Ted. Hi, Ter. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Nice to be back. It nice, is nice to, nice be to back. have another episode. Yeah. Nice to have a title sponsor. It is nice to have a title sponsor, and specifically this title sponsor, the UPS Store Canada. They got lots of places. They have over 380 <laughs> locations, and I've made it my life's mission to <laughs> visit each one. That's what I'm going to do in retirement. I'm going to go and tour uh, all 380 UPS Store Canada locations. That sounds like a pretty good retirement plan, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You'll be busy. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of driving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll see the small towns, yeah. too. Well, you've already seen the one on Don Quixote, so I you, have, you've yeah. had a start. I've been to the one in Il Perot. Yeah. Only 379 to go. <laughs> Ted uh, sampled some of the packing peanuts, saw the uh, mailboxes and all the other services that the UPS stores provide. It's an entrepreneur in your community that knows how to help you with your business. So this entrepreneur that runs the UPS store can help you with courier services, with passport pictures, with a mailbox address, with receiving packages, with picking up packages. He can make sure or she can make sure that you um, uh, get uh, copies made, faxes done, packing. Or if you don't have a business and you just want to send some stuff to your kids across the country who are at school, or you got to get Christmas presents out, uh, they can help you with that too. It, easy to find, the theupsstore.ca. There's a location, I'm telling you, no matter where you're listening to this in Canada, there's a location near you, the theupsstore.ca our title sponsor. Um, a very special guest. Uh, we tried to get him for a couple of seasons, but uh, he's now a, a giant of French media in uh, this town um, and uh, has a hell of a story uh, who went from uh, being basically the world's biggest hockey fan. He was Tony and LaSalle. He was Tony he and was. LaSalle. Yeah. Have I got that right, Tony? Yeah. You Tony do, and LaSalle. You, do. you have it right. Yeah. On and Ted Teven's show, yeah. is that, that correct? That is correct. Yeah. You're gone! <laughs> CIQC AM 600. That's yeah. right. Ted Teven. I loved Ted Teven. I, when I was a kid, I was the ref. I would call in, and I was the ref when I was a kid. Is that right? So yeah, yeah it's a it's a, a nice way to steer your way. And did we say it's Tony Tony? Marinaro? We did not. No, we okay, just said Tony from LaSalle, but everybody yes. knows Tony from Tony LaSalle. Marinaro is our special guest. Tony, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me, guys. Very uh, excited. If uh, my mother would have told me one day I would be in studio with uh, the great Terry Demonte <laughs> and Ted Bird, I would have been pretty excited. Uh, we're flattered. Tony Thank himself, you. a longtime broadcaster, turned a successful podcaster and, yeah. and continues to be a broadcaster and, in fact, has upped his game significantly because he's moved from the English Montreal media to French Montreal media or French Quebec media. And that's a big deal. Yeah, and we were time. talking about it before the podcast, before we, before we sat down. I want to go back to the beginning, though, Tony. Yeah. Let's talk about Tony... From LaSalle. You were a regular caller on Ted Teven's sports 
talk radio show. Yeah. Did you have aspirations of being a broadcaster while you were calling in to Ted Teven? Did you want to be on the other end of the line yeah. taking the calls? I actually wished I was Ted Teven <laughs> back in the day. So I probably started calling Ted when I was about, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old. And it's funny because uh, most of my adolescent years, my friends were going out and they were doing things that 15 and 16 and 17 year olds should be doing. And I was never part of that group because I would want to stay home and I would want to talk to Ted. Now, Ted, back in the day, was working a show that went from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. So, you know, I would always stay home, watch the games, <coughs> non-game night prepare, talk to Ted, jump on a line, put the audio cassette in, press record, yeah. record my conversations, listen to them, send them to my buddies, and I, I quickly became popular with some of my friends who used to listen to some of my calls. Ted was great um, with me. I always got the feeling that he liked me. He must have. And I loved him, yeah. so it worked out well. What a character he was. He was. He, was he would have loved the character like you. He would have He would have knew, known right away that you were good for the show. You know, I, I and I say this humbly speaking, really, but he believed in me. Yeah, big time. And uh, he always yeah. believed in me. And one of the reasons why I pursued the business of sports radio is because one night... I remember I had called in to Ted Teven's show, and um, I would fall asleep with those um, yellow Sony Walkmans, yep. right? Yep, yep. With those had uh, little headphones. Yellow on. headphones yep. that would go in the ears, right? And um, I remember him saying, it was around 12.55 a.m. or so, I remember him saying as he was signing off to Tony from LaSalle, you have the goods to be in this business. Wow. And... I thought, I, like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I believed I could, but so many people around me thought that that's not a job that will go to someone like you, right? You got to be, like, born a star to do that, or you got to know people. And I didn't think I was born a star, and I didn't know people. But when I heard Ted Teven say that, it changed my life. It really, you know, when we talk about someone inspiring someone. Put air under your wings. It really yeah. did, yeah. So That's I kept really, on knocking on doors. Yeah. And, and Did you ever knock on his door? Did you ever have an opportunity to meet him and get mentored by him? I had an opportunity to meet him on a couple of occasions. Unfortunately, when I did, it seemed like um, it was always the wrong timing. He was yeah. on the go. Or... I remember uh, CIQC AM 600 back in the day was, uh, was in Verdun. And I remember one day I knocked on the door and I told him that I wanted to work there. And um, I spoke with someone there. I saw Mitch Melnick. He came out. He said hello. I was a regular caller to his show, too. And I told him I wanted to work there. And, you know, they wanted to start me off in sales. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted to do whatever I could do to get my foot in the door to work on the radio. But I, you know, having said that, I didn't want to work in sales because I figured if I worked in sales, then I'm going to be stuck there. And no one's going to think that eventually I could end up working on the air. Right. And they're going to say, well, you're a sales guy. You're not a radio guy. Right. So I kept on knocking on doors, knocking on doors. And the way it all came about is um, I was back in the day, I was working at Santra Hi-Fi Electronic. Remember that? And um, I went to a golf tournament. I believe it was, uh, it was the, the, the store's golf tournament. And uh, I met Wayne Buse there, who was uh, the sales manager at Shom, and uh, we started talking, and he said, I recognize your voice. He says, uh, do you call sports radio? And I said, I do. He says, you call Ted Teven, do you not? Huh. 
And I said, yeah, that's me. He goes, you're Tony from LaSalle. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, hey, listen, he says, I run a hockey pool. Would you like to come out? And I said, sure, take my number. So he got a hold of me, and, and I entered his hockey pool, and I won the hockey pool in the regular season. Then I won the hockey pool in the playoffs. And then um, the year later, a year later, I was working somewhere else, and um, he sent me an email. And he said, um, do you want to be a star? Call me. So I gave him a call and he said, listen, I'm now the um, sales manager at the Team 990. I moved over, Montreal's all sports radio station. And he said, uh, we're in year one. We don't have a lot of money. We have a morning show with Mitch Melnick. And we'd like to have a post-game show, a Montreal Canadiens post-game show to compete with CJD AM 800. And he said, I'd like for you to do it. And I said, geez, thank you so much, but... To be very honest with you, I'm not qualified to do that. And he said, no, no, you'll be fine. You'll be great. You'll be fine. But I don't have any money to pay you. Story of my life. Mm. And, uh, or at least it went on to be for, for another decade or so. But uh, all kidding aside, uh, so I, I, I did that. And Did he literally mean not any money, like none at all, or just a pittance? <laughs> I got restaurant gift certificates. Really? Uh, $25 How gift certificates. How radio is that? It's a very radio yeah. $25 <laughs> gift certificates. Yeah. And um, so right. I did that. Cheap and I, I spoke to uh, him. <laughs> he's, he's actually a great guy. But yeah, yeah, he is I know, a good guy. I know, I, know, I, know, I know you're saying I like it Wayne. Yeah, I, yeah, I like yeah, Wayne. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. not on him. No, no, no. That's on him. No. Yeah, and it's the business, and yeah. it, and it was where he was working at yeah. the time. They yeah. were cheap pricks. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, believe it or not, some collaborators still do get paid in restaurant certificates, yeah, like over twenty years, years later. Yeah, I can yeah, tell you that. Don't. But anyway, uh, not on my podcast. They don't. <laughs> but now I'll say this. Um, so I did it, and then you know, everyone kept telling me, or everyone that was in the business, I would like to get people's opinions, and they would tell me whatever they get, they give you. Like, just never say no. Just keep on working. Keep on saying yes. So I kept on working. I kept on saying yes. And a month later, Wayne came back to me and he said, listen, good news. And I said, what? He goes, we got pretty good response. And we've actually got a couple of advertisers on board. Would you like to do the Montreal Canadiens pregame show as well? And I said, sure, I'd love to do it. So now I'm going from my job, which was nine to five. And I make my way to the studio on Green Avenue, corner of the Maisonneuve in Westmount. And I jump on for the Habs pregame show. I finish that. If the Canadians are playing on the road, I'm watching the game in studio. If they're playing at home, um, I'm watching it uh, at, at the uh, the arena, of course. And then I would make my way back after the second period, watch the third period from studio, go on, do the post-game show, finish at around midnight, get home at around 12.45 or so. And that was back in September, October, November, December of 2002. I had got married the year before that in 2001. And my mother's calling me saying what are you doing? You just got married. You're never home. Your wife never sees you. You're leaving at for work at eight o'clock in the morning. You're getting home at like one o'clock in the morning. You're going to get divorced, yada, yada, yada. And I said, mom, all my life, I wanted to do this. And my parents, God love them. Uh, but you know, they were, they just, they wanted the best for me. They yeah. just didn't think it was going to happen in radio. Right. So they tried to Tell me to go into business. Right. And this marketing. whole conversation with your mom is happening in Italian, I'm guessing. Uh, too, naturally, right? it is. Actually, <laughs> it's Sicilian. Actually, it's Sicilian. But uh, I just kept on doing it. And then one day, Wayne Buse came back to see me and said, hey, with the uh, advertising dollars that we got from the Montreal Canadiens postgame show that you were doing and the pregame show that you were doing, he says, we have enough budget to open up an afternoon drive. 
And ideally, we'd like to hire two people. We have seven people auditioning. And uh, why don't you audition? And I said, no, no, I'm not. Listen, as much as I'd love to, I'm not qualified for that. I wanted to start slowly. I didn't think I was qualified for that. And he said, you know what? Just throw your name into the hat. And besides, we're doing the auditions two at a time. You would make it an even eight and we'll see what happens. So I did that and it went pretty well. And so back, back in the day, I was working for a company called Caba Ilco. They're on uh, Decari and Jean Talon, and they make those access cards for hotels and stuff like that. And um, I got called into a, a meeting with my boss that morning, and she said, bad news, but your department is going to be moving to Winston-Salem, North Carolina in about six months' time, so oh, wow. eventually you're going to lose your job. So I'm like, oh, man. So I, I go back and I go back to my cubicle where I'm working, and I lost my job, and the phone rings. And it's Wayne Buse. And he said, um, made up our mind. <coughs> you're going to be co-host of the Afternoon Drive with Joey Elias starting in early January. The same day you got that call? 2003. Right as soon as I got out of that meeting telling me that my department was going to be moving and I was going to lose my job in six months, I went back to my desk. The second I sat down, the phone rang. Coincidence is God's yep. way of maintaining his anonymity. Yes, and, and obviously it was meant to be. Yep. Eh? It was basically what you're saying. Yeah. So that's 2002, Tony. That was, I started um, volunteering my services yeah. September 2002 to I, December 2002, and in January 2003. You go on the air with Joey. I went on the air with Joey Elias. Yeah. We did that for about two and a half years. Then Mitch made his way to the afternoon drive. Yeah. And I ended up working the morning show. Right with uh, different people over the years. And I did that for two and a half years. And at the time when I was working the morning show, I believe Elliot Price was working at 10 o'clock in the morning. And um, I think Elliot really wanted to play golf. And so the best way for Elliot to play golf was yeah. for him to work the morning show and then yeah. after the show to probably play golf. There were probably other reasons as well. So Wayne Buse gives me a call and says, I'd like to take you to lunch. So he says, uh, I got a great opportunity for you. I want to put you in the 10 o'clock slot. And I was really, really down because I felt like, man, am I being demoted here? And he said, I know you're down. Don't be down. And I'm going to tell you why. And I said, why? He said, well, number one, you're going to get your life back. You're going to love doing 10 o'clock in the morning uh, you especially with uh, with you know with a couple of young boys, you're really gonna love working 10 a.m. instead of waking up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, he goes, and one day, trust me, you're gonna thank me. He says the probably other gonna thing, live longer too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he said the other thing is is that it's a very very difficult slot. It really is. Expectations aren't very high because it is so difficult. There's not a lot of cars on the road at that time. But so he says it takes a special personality to make something out of it. And he says, I think you got that personality. And if there's someone who can make something out of nothing, I think it's you. And he says, I think you're really going to shine by having your own show and going solo with your show. And I did that show for 14 years. And you know what? He was right. And did, did it intimidate you when you first got the invitation? Did you think, oh, shit, what am I going to do? No, no, no I, um, 
I believe them myself. There you go. You know, okay. like I, yeah. I, I thought maybe it was a little bit too much too soon yeah. at the beginning. I also wanted to be humble. At the time, I was a humble guy. Were you terrible <laughs> when you started? Yeah, I think I was. You went, okay. Yeah, I, I, I was. Were you? Yeah, yeah. I was Absolutely. Awful. That's God why I asked. Awful. Yeah. I, was, I think I was. I was. The first show yeah, I did, was Terry. terrible. The first show yeah. I did, and I thought, oh, okay, I'm ready for it. I'm yeah. ready for it. The second the light went on, I had to puke. Yeah. You know, when it comes up yeah, and then it goes time, back yeah. down type of thing. Yeah, that, I, red, that red light. I really hey. felt sick. Yeah. But interesting story. Here's another one is that a couple of months in, I'm struggling. I'm not doing well because the reality is I was, um, I was like a hockey player who was, uh, you know, a real good prospect, but the decision to whether send them to the National Hockey League or the American Hockey League, and the Team 990 at the time and Wayne Buse decided to promote me to the National Hockey League, yeah. and I wasn't ready for it. And so I wasn't very good at what I was doing, and I started to take a lot of heat in some of the papers, especially our very own English daily newspaper, was saying, this guy is not very good. This guy is not very good. The text messages were coming in. This guy is not very good. I got called into the office one day. Wayne Buse is the sales manager. Lee Hamilton, the late Lee Hamilton, was the general manager. And they say, Lee says, things aren't going according to plan. The ratings aren't very good. You're struggling. And... Um, we're going to give you a month to turn it around. And we'll give you a month to turn it around. I understood everything. So that month, I put more pressure on myself. Yeah. That's... And, and I didn't respond well. I struggled even more. So now we have a meeting lined up on a certain day that I got to go in at 9 o'clock in the morning. And when I'm going in, they're going to tell me if we keep going or if I'm gone. And the way I was going, I knew I was gone. I get in that morning, Wayne Buse says, come into my office. I go into his office, and he said, um, Lee Hamilton was going to let you go today. He's going to fire you. Put my head down. He says he died four hours ago. Boy, oh boy, wow. I said, are you kidding me or what? Wow. He said, no. I said, how did this come about? He said, uh, he had terminal cancer, and he says, even I didn't know. Wayne didn't know either. Wow. And he said, here's the deal, Tony. I believe in you. And I think you're going to be a star in this business one day. So I'm going to trust my gut, go back in studio, and prove me right. And how, you, how did you go about that, Tony? Like a lot of us have, you know, all of us have had mentors or studied something or, you know, I used to, when I, you know, as a kid, I, I would pick guys that I really liked and I'd, listen to hours and hours of their tapes yeah. and you don't want to copy them, but you, you pick a thing here and you think, Oh, that's a good idea. I'll try that. Like, what did you do in order to polish it and, yeah. and get better at it? Did you have a strategy? This is a great question. Um, so this is what I did. The first thing I did was back in the day, Robert Viro had a radio and television that's school right. yeah. that Wayne Buse suggested and said, I think you should go to the school. It can help you out. But when I started, I used to listen to a lot of sports radio. And the one guy who really impressed me out of all the analysts was Pierre Maguire. And I found that I tried to copy Pierre. Mm -hmm. I tried to sound like Pierre. Yeah. Well, at one point I realized I'm not Pierre. 
My English is nowhere close to Pierre's. I don't sound as good as Pierre. I'm not Pierre. And I know that this is probably cliche, and we've heard it a thousand times before, but the turning point in my professional life really was when I just decided to be myself. And this is who I am, and I'm not perfect, but this is it. And I started to wear on people, and I started to get a loyal following, somewhat of a cult following. People understand that my grammar wasn't great. Still today, it isn't. And Wayne, we had a good meeting. He said, he said, you know, all that stuff you read in the papers, he says, no, your English isn't great, and your grammar isn't great. But guess what? You're like three quarters of Montreal. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. And he said, you know what? And it's just... not like you sound like Borat. Yeah. You know? he, You're... Said, <laughs> he said, you know what? Just just be yourself. And Montreal's multicultural, and they're yeah. going to embrace you for who you are. And the second I stopped trying to be other people, yeah. and be I yourself. was just yeah. Tony Marinaro, yeah. that's when I started to take yeah, off. Yeah, there's an authenticity about that that you can hear um, when, when you work. And um, I'm curious about, did you mostly speak Italian at home? With my parents, yes. So were you raised in French and or raised? No, no. There was very little French you in just my don't... upbringing. Yeah. So there I must have been to... on the street, though. My yeah. experience with the Montreal's Italian community, yeah. everybody's trilingual because they spoke Italian at home. They went to, in, in, in uh, older generations, they went to English school and they spoke French on the street. And as a yeah. result of that, they speak three languages. So, so I spoke Italian at home. Yeah. I spoke English at school and English with all my fr my friends. And the way I picked up French is I used to find that the French papers used to have a good sports section. Yeah, big time. That's very So true, I used yeah. to read the Journal de Montréal. Yeah. And I used to read La Presse newspaper every day mm -hmm. and watch some hockey games on French television. And that's how I picked up French. It's really fascinating to me too because now you're a French broadcaster. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about that in a second, but we have to go to another uh, friend of ours um, and say thanks to Sugar Sammy. Sugar Sammy is the sponsor of the Standing By podcast. I'm proud to say he speaks a little bit of French. <laughs> he speaks <laughs> yeah. He speaks a, a bunch of different languages. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but he does a uh, he does a show called uh, You're Gonna Rear. It's a bilingual comedy show, and he's on his second tour. And this time he's taking it across the country, and he's selling out across the country. He's doing bilingual shows that are selling out across Canada as he attracts uh, those French-language pockets in other parts of the country. Why are you looking at me like that? Just... <laughs> are my wheels wobbling? No. no. It's, I, I was thinking about what... <laughs> What we We're a bit punchy, Tony. We've been doing like three of these a day for a week. It, that's okay. I actually have a, a real good funny story on, on Sugar Sammy. All right, so let's not, hear it. Well, it's not funny, actually. It, it's uh, well, we'll because be he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a couple of months ago, I said, you know what? I'm, I want to find a nice place to bring my wife where we can have a good time. So I said, we're going to buy tickets and we're going to go see Sugar Sammy. This Mitch Garber said this uh, yeah. this morning. So I went on the website. Yes. It was sold out for yeah, Of course months. it was. Of <laughs> yeah, course it was. You can't get a ticket for loving her money. <laughs> so so the, the, the first available date was in February. And then I'm thinking, okay. You're doing our commercial. There yeah, is, really. Yeah. There, could be, yeah. there, there could be a winter storm, but he, he's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> 
But anyway, if you want to buy tickets to Sugar Sammy, jump on it right away. February twenty, like you yes. said, he he put he put new shows on, and all the shows in twenty twenty three are sold out. And then he thought, well, I'll do some more, and he put January twenty twenty four on sale, Done. sold out right away. Yeah, February twenty twenty four, selling out, selling out. So yeah. to Tony's point, dépêche toi. Yeah, yeah no, get he's, him now. He's fantastic. Oh my god! When I start yeah. going on YouTube, yeah. Um, to look up comedians to find people to make me laugh. Yeah. There's not too to, many of them. Yeah. Like I start and end with Sugar Sammy. Well, yeah. and, and it's this really great, much like your story, a really great Quebec story. In very tra- Montreal. Very Montreal, very, very yeah. intercultural. Yeah. I love what he's yeah. doing with the whole English and French yeah, and all absolutely. that stuff. And the way he pokes fun yeah. at them and pokes fun at himself. Yeah. yeah. I actually love his laugh. Yeah. yeah, kicks up the leg every yeah. now and then. It yeah. is the laugh. And what do you you said? He's got a the perfect combination. The perfect of, combination of I don't know, Tara. That was so long ago that I said that. <laughs> he's he's got the perfect combination of likability and comfortability thank, thank on this. Yeah. He's comfortable and he's likable and he's he's confident without being arrogant. And good night, everybody. <laughs> Sugarsammy.com. Yes. Listen to Tony and get your tickets sooner yeah. than later. Tony, you're gonna have to take over. I <laughs> now. It looks like we're both about to fall over. How 20, much does it pay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in um, where you started to get your feet under you. Like, you know, you you talk about uh, struggling in, at the beginning and, you know, the conversations you had and the breaks that you had, too. You know, that people gave you a chance and then somebody passes away and it all seems to be going your way. Um, what? How long was it before you thought, uh, you know, you know, I, I think I, I think I'm starting to get this. Like the, the, you know, the cars stopped wobbling off the road. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. starting to get this. So I think probably at around year five, I started to say, you know what, I, I'm good, and people are listening, yeah. and I think people know me. And at around year ten, I started to say, you know what, I'm getting pretty good at this. Yeah. And then probably. Year fourteen or fifteen, I started saying, "I'm okay. here to stay." And where um, are you? Twenty years in, now? I've arrived. I'm yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I'm like you're twenty I'm, years in, Tony, or twenty plus now. Yeah. So now, uh, once again, I started in the business back in September of two thousand and one. So okay. uh, yeah. we're twenty two years yeah. of, of broadcasting for me. And is there a moment because I used to watch the press conferences, and I I would watch like Bergevin would would see you in the crowd. Yeah, and he. You get like a little sort of half grin on his face and say, "We oui, Tony." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that that must be a as a kid who grew up cheering for the Habs. That's got to be a buzz when the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens knows who you are and knows what kind of a question to expect from you. That, yeah, that's got to be a bit of a trip, isn't it? It really is. Now, look, I try to pride myself. I pride myself on on asking the tough questions. I, I want to be the voice for the fans, right? So if a fan is thinking something or would want to ask something, I want to be the guy on behalf of the fans to ask that question. When you have that kind of style, it can go one of two ways. Yeah. They can either hate you. Yeah. And I'm talking about, you know, the general managers or coaches or, uh, you know, high-level athletes from other teams. Or they can respect you for asking the tough questions. Yeah. And I always thought, you know, they were they were pretty legitimate questions. And Bergevin respected me. Like, I can feel it. I can feel it that he respected me, that I would respectfully challenge him. 
I think times. he got a kick out of you too, yeah. don't you? Yeah, yeah. No, no. We had uh look, I'm gonna tell you, like we had a good relationship. Yeah. Uh we had a good relationship and he always made time for me. And I remember one day on a Sunday afternoon he came in and you know, he uh I opened the garage for him and he parked his vehicle and we went up to the studio and we spent about an hour together and stuff like that. Because so, I, I have to tell you, yeah. it used to impress the shit out of me that, you know, as during this well, I don't remember it was during the season. But there are not too many people that can get the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens to come in on and do a radio show. Yeah. And he used to do that for you. He used to do that. And, uh, yeah, he was always very, very good with me, like I said. And when I disagreed <laughs> with his opinion, um, we used to get a, we, you know, we used to have a laugh over it. So I remember once we're at the uh, Montreal Canadiens golf tournament. And I asked him what his plan is for Shea Weber, who's going to be his D partner. And I said, when, you know, if in your office in Brassard, who's on that whiteboard penciled in next to Weber? And he says to me, he says, uh, Jordy Ben. And I look at him and I say, you can't do that. <laughs> and he said, no, what do you mean, Jordy Ben? And I said, well, no, Jordy Ben is not a first pairing defenseman. And so it was, <laughs> and so... It was my way of respectfully telling him I disagreed with him. Yeah. And it didn't make him look bad. It was it's just, it went really well. Yeah. And it sounded well. So I had a really good relationship I, with him. I think, I, I'm going to ask you if you liked him as a general manager. I, I think he knew his hockey. I think he, and I think he understood his responsibility. And I also think that he had a pretty good sense of humor about his position and you know, what he had to do with I think he was quite renowned for his, and remains quite yeah. renowned for his sense of humor. As a player, apparently, his, he was a suits. real <laughs> prankster. Yeah, yeah. A real, like, uh, he do would play practical jokes. Bergevin had a great eye for talent. He had a great eye for talent. He had more difficulty. He knew what individual talent was, yeah. obviously. He had a little bit more difficulty in putting together a team mm -hmm. and having that team be sustainable. The year they went to the final, the bubble year, that's the year they went, and he went all in. Yeah. And you know what? He came close. He went yeah, to the I, final. Yeah. But, I was going to say, you got to give him credit. But after in that offseason, yeah. Phil Deneau walks. He ends up signing with the Los Angeles Kings. Shea Weber unofficially retires. Carey uh, Price, we all know what happened with him and his issues. And then it all just fell apart, and some players left, and it wasn't sustainable. But Bergevin, his greatest strength was identifying talent. His weakness was managing people, was his way of communicating with players when things weren't going well. And not to say that he was one of those, you know, that he would scream and whatever. It's just that... Instead of always remaining business, at times you got the feeling that it became a little bit personal. Mm. Bergevin and Radulov. Bergevin and Pacioretty. Bergevin and Markov. It didn't end well. Bergevin and Subban. Make no mistake. I mean, yeah. P.K. Subban wasn't just traded because they thought Shea Weber was a very good hockey player and they're going to trade, you know, for a very good hockey player. He was run out of there town. Was a, there was a personality yeah. conflict there. Yeah. They yeah. just didn't like what PK was selling at the time. And uh, that was one of the reasons why that deal went down. In Max Pacioretty's case, just didn't think, 
I don't think he thought Matt Pacioretty was the guy who could lead his team going forward. In terms of wearing the C, Max did not want to relinquish that C to anybody. In Markov's case, Markov made the mistake of not having an agent and represent himself. Bergevin probably didn't take that conversation seriously. Bergevin wanted to offer him a one-year deal. Markov wanted two years. They split. Uh, in Radulov's case, once again, Radulov ended up going to Dallas for what was probably less money but more money considering the tax situation. But anyway, that but but he was um, he knew how to identify talent for right. sure. Yeah. Let's talk about um, your exit from TSN and um, what brought that about and what brought the podcast about. So <clears throat> I met a family, the Cavallaro family. I don't know. I've repeated this story. I don't know. Give or take 10 or 12 years ago. So I'm I'm a little bit, as we get older, as you know, you lose track of time a little bit. So you know but anyway, I've known them for at least, <laughs> at least a decade, all right? Yeah. And so... Agnello and his wife, Rosa, uh, are West Islanders. They live in Kirkland. Are these the uh, Cavallaro food people? No, they're not. Okay. But they like food. I can tell you that right now. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So Agnello and his wife, Rosa, have uh, two kids, Juliana and Sammy, Juliana being the eldest. And when Sammy was born, uh, nine months old, he was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy. And the doctors told Agnello and his wife, Rosa, that Sammy wouldn't make it to the age of two. So Agnello and his wife, Rosa, started having fundraiser events, fundraisers. And um, one of the events they have is they have um, a gala every year, and they do it on Valentine's weekend, and they call it Sammy's Valentine's Gala. So a good buddy of mine, Mike Moretto, who's, um, who's uh, been my neighbor since the early 80s, Mike... Uh, grew up with Agnello. They played soccer together. And one day, Mike gives me a call and says, Tony, I need your help. There's a great family. Um, their son has spinal muscular atrophy. They have um, fundraisers. And I'd love for you to be able to bring exposure to the cause and to the event and volunteer your time and not charge them. And I said, Mike, any friend of yours is a friend of mine. I'd be more than happy to do it. So I met them and uh, gave my time to them. And over the years, we became you know pretty close. So Sammy... Today is 23 years old. Wow. He runs his own social media company. He has over 6 million followers on Instagram. He's got a Snapchat channel in Quebec, which is not easy to have either. And Sammy's a big sports fan. He really loves football and he really loves hockey. And Sammy, back in the day, would basically be in front of his television the way I was, recording fights or whatever, but he would get the highlight of the night in sports. He'd attach a bed of music to it, and he'd upload it to his account faster than you could probably find it on television. And his account on Instagram is Sick Highlights, and that account has give or take about 2 million followers. So he went from opening that account to another account, Sick Power Play, Sick Football, Sick This, Sick That, and he runs Sick Media Agency. It's a family-run agency. Agnello works with Sammy. Juliana, his sister, works with Sammy. And so about three and a half years ago, three, three and a half years ago, Sammy gives me a call and says, come over, I want to show you something. So I go over to their house and he made a podcast studio downstairs. And he said, the next thing for Sick Media is I want to have the Sick Podcast and I'd like for you to be able to do it. Now I was busy. I was doing radio full time. I was doing TV every now and then. And my boy's playing soccer. My wife's running a business. To tell you the truth, I didn't have a lot of time. And, um, how do you say no to Sammy? 
Can't say no to Sammy. No. I mean, this is he really wanted to have this podcast, and here's a kid who hasn't had too many opportunities to smile, you would think, in his life. And so I said, Sammy, I just need to clear it with my boss, and I'll get back to you. Um, when I went to see my boss and told him that I was going to be doing a podcast on the side, it was met with some reservations, and, uh, and I was told uh, no. And uh, you guys would know this, but... Back in the day in sports radio, uh, we weren't making a heck of a lot of money. At least uh, I wasn't. And um, it seemed like everyone there was doing something on the side, as yeah. a sideline. Yeah. To make ends meet. Yeah. To make ends yeah. meet, right? Yeah. Well, to, you know, to, to be able to pay the bills yeah. and, and maybe have something left yeah. over. And so uh, I thought about it for a couple of days, and I stalled Sammy, and I didn't have the heart to say no to Sammy. So one day I just went in and I said, listen, Everyone here is doing something on the side. I just want to let you know I'm doing the podcast. And um, and that was it. So I did the podcast. And then we would I would go over to Sammy's house and we would record once a week. And we were we were doing it to have fun. And and that's what the goal was back then. And that's what it was all about, getting together. And then after the podcast, going upstairs, having a plate of pasta together. We were doing it to have fun. And the turning point in all of that. I think for me, there were a couple, but the major one was during COVID. During COVID, we're still in it, according to some. But anyway, it's another story. Yeah. But during COVID, I was working from home. And um, the morning show was working out of the studio. The afternoon drive was working out of the studio, but the two midday shows were working from home. And I'm working from home, and while I'm doing my show, I'm noticing on Twitter that I'm getting word that the radio station in Winnipeg, the radio station in Hamilton, and the radio station in Vancouver all closed down. The sports station. The TN Sports. Yeah, yeah TSN now, Sports Radio station. So they had seven radio stations at the yeah. time and three closed down within a span of an hour and a half. Dropping like flies. Now yeah. I'm doing my show. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm reading this. What do you think I'm thinking? Yeah, we're next. They're going to take me off the air in like 30 seconds. Yeah. And at that point, I have no backup plan. I got nothing. What do I do next? I don't know how to do anything else. So day's over. We survived. Thank God. I give Agnello and Sammy a call. Can I come over? I went over that night. I said, listen, I got the scare of my life today. Three radio stations closed within an hour and a half. And it dawned on me. I have no plan B. I don't know how to do anything else. So I said, you know what? Let's try and take this to another level. And they said, let's go. So recording once a week became recording twice a week, eventually became recording three times a week, and eventually became three times a week recording and one live on Sunday mornings. But I always wanted to do it that way because I never wanted to have a live podcast while the radio was airing their shows right. at the same time, right. right? I didn't think that was right, so I never did that. And even on Sundays, I would only go live if, of course, there was no Montreal Canadiens game, there was no pregame show, there was none of that. If there was, I wouldn't go live at that point. So I was doing that, and it was starting to generate steam. And we were starting to attract advertisers. And we were starting to get viewers. And in my last year at the radio station the podcast had reached 10 million homes. So uh, at that point, uh, 
I knew that the podcast made some uncomfortable. While it was outdrawing the radio program, obviously. I never viewed it as competition because my numbers at the radio station were great. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were losing listeners because I had a podcast. No, of course not. But right? 10 million is a big number. Yes, it's a big number. Sponsorship was, yeah, that opened up a lot of eyes as well. And I, I think the major challenge in all of it was, and, and, and like today, I get it. I re- honestly, I understand. Just so you know, when I decided to go forward this, I had no problem if the radio station was going to be part of my podcast and I was going to take interviews that I was doing on the radio station and, and, and playing them on my podcast or taking stuff that I was doing on the podcast and playing it on the radio, they could have even put their logo up. I mean, I was, I was fine with it, like whatever, you know, starting off, but it didn't work out that way. And I was doing my own thing. And I think the big challenge was the fact that all the radio shows that are on right now, they're all being podcasted. So they probably figured, how are we going to podcast your radio show? And then you're going to be podcasting or advertising your podcast on the side. I didn't see no problem because I was doing well with both. It's not like I was not doing well with radio. So, you know, I it made them uncomfortable. I was made aware that it made them uncomfortable. And so at that point... Um, I think I had a decision to make. And here's another funny story, and here's just the way sometimes you need to be lucky in life. As I'm going through this, I get a message on LinkedIn from um, a member of the management team of back then 91.9 FM Sports Radio, today BPM Sports Radio. Yeah. And uh, the gentleman says, can you give me a call? So I give him a call. And he says, let's not beat around the bush. I want to know, is there any chance between us and Tony Marinero? And I said, uh, all right, so I'll answer it. I said, "Um, if you don't have a problem with my podcast, it could be a good chance. So he said, I don't have a problem with your podcast. I just want you to join our team. So... um, I said, uh, what do you have in mind? So he said, what do you want to do? And I said, um, uh, well, what do you want me to do? Well, we'd like for you to host a show. He said, I don't want to host a show. And he said, uh, all right. And he said, so what do you want to do? I said, I'd rather be just like a collaborator. If I'm going to come on, I would rather be a collaborator. He said, why? I said, I'm going to be very honest with you. I want to build my podcast. And so I, I don't want to, I want to have a lot of free time to be able to do it. I don't want to host a three-hour radio show. I don't want to host a four-hour radio show. I want to really concentrate on my podcast. So he said, all right, let's talk. So we started talking, and then someone from the station got a hold of me and said, uh, hey, I hear you're talking to the radio station. And I said, well, yeah, off the record, between you and I, I am. But I said, well, you know, it hasn't gone anywhere yet. And he said, um, well, I'd really love for you to be part of my program. And, uh, and I, said, um, I said, okay. And he says, well, uh, I think I got something for you because I, I'd love not only for you to be part of my radio program, I'd love for you to be part of my, my TV show. So I said, all right, so listen, I, you know, have your boss give my agent a call. And so 
the radio was talking with my agent and the TV was talking with my agent. And this is what I knew. I knew that I think it was on August 27th of 2022. I think it was on the 27th, could have been the 28th. But I think on, on I think it was August 27th. I think, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. So I knew that the radio station was going to start their new year of programming because usually on the French side, what happens is yeah, at the end of season. May, at yeah. the end of May, they all they all take yeah. off. They all go yeah. on vacation. They're off June, July, yeah. August. At the end of August, the book starts, the ratings start, everyone's got to be in. So I knew that they wanted to have me on board then. So if that was going to be the case, I had to leave the radio station on May 27 uh, because I had to give my 90 days notice because of the different clauses that exist, as you know. And um, so at that point, I'm, um, I still haven't signed anything with radio. I still haven't signed anything on television, but we've had really good talks and I have a feeling it's going to happen. I wake up that Friday morning. I'm not, I'm not feeling well. I feel stressed. I feel anxious. Everything just moving as quickly as it did that, you know, the podcast took off and it made others very uncomfortable. And I had a decision to make. So when I felt, when I woke up and I didn't feel good, I gave my wife a tap on the shoulder. She was sleeping. I was driving my son to school that morning. And I said to her, I said, I just want to let you know. I said, I'm going into the radio station today, and at the end of the show, I'm going to quit. My wife woke up, and she said, well, what do you mean? And she knew everything that was going on, but she never thought I was going to quit the radio station. She never thought I was going to leave. And guys, to tell you the truth, up until that minute when I woke up that morning, I never thought I was either. I loved that job. I think you guys know that, right? Like, I loved that job. Yeah. Like, it's all I ever wanted to do. Um. But I just, I felt like with everything going on, it's time. And there was a part of me too that thought, you know what? If I stay here, how much bigger can I be? Like I've been here for 20 years. I, I accomplished pretty much everything I wanted to accomplish. The only thing that didn't happen very unfortunately is that the Montreal Canadiens would have won the Stanley Cup while I was on the air, right? Yeah. Type of thing. But other than that, I, like I did pretty much everything that I had to do. I mean, one book, I almost had a 15% market share. Like what, what, what more? Well, and you, you, I, I would think as a, as a, not just as a broadcaster, but as a person, you look for bigger, you know, you look for the next step and bigger things. And the and, upside on the French side yeah, it's, is yeah. it's so a, much greater. Yeah, and it's a much, much, much bigger thing. Yeah. And so it was the impetus. The impetus was the, the, the French side calling you that, that gave you the push. Yeah, well, that was, you know, I, I, I was told that, you know, the podcast uh, was um, concerning. Yeah. And that's something, yeah. you know, needed to and be it, done. It lacks so much, it, it lacks vision in so many ways because the podcast and the, the radio show are so complimentary and could have been so complimentary and beneficial for both parties. And they but could what have they could have ridden the popularity of the po yes. podcast to their advantage. How many people listen to the podcast, Tony? What so uh, last month the podcast reached three million homes. Yep. and probably had just over a million views. So 
So, uh, no, we're doing really, really well. Yeah, like, that's... Uh, things are, are, are really, they're really headed in the right direction. And so, you know, I, I get asked about, uh, I miss you on radio, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much for everyone who tells me that. I, I love the two. Um, for those, don't compare radio and podcasting. No. It's a different world, like you know. And, you know, you're, you're hosting a four, three-hour radio show or a four-hour radio show. You get to talk a little bit about everything you know, I grew up in Montreal. I love the Montreal Canadiens. I love hockey. I love soccer. I host a couple of podcasts, and 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 my main podcast is the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. It's an all Montreal Canadiens podcast. But anyway, and, and I'll make it very quickly. So you know what? I, I I drove to work that day. I did my show, and uh, when I got off, I you know on my way out, I told Mo Khan, who was opping the board, I said, Mo, on this last segment going out, I want you to play my way. Because I think 20 years in the biz, or almost 20 years, 19 and a half, I think I did it my way. And I was very emotional when I got off air. I went into the boss's office at noon. I said, no easy way to say this. I'm handing in my resignation. Um, he was taken by surprise. I was, once again, I was very emotional. And um, I don't think he ever thought that I was going to resign from the radio station because yeah. he knew how much I love my job. And then, and then I said, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to stop doing the podcast. No, and you know what? Three million people is, I mean, that's three, probably five times the English population of Montreal. It's clear to me that you're reaching Montreal Canadiens fans beyond Montreal. Well, it's a global brand, it's a isn't global it? Brand now. Some yeah. of the so if you, go, if you go on Chartable, pardon me, which yeah. obviously yeah. Uh, the ratings come out every week to, to, to show you how your podcast is doing. The uh, the sick podcast with Tony Marinero. There's people listening in Australia, yeah, in in the UK, New Zealand, and Brazil, and there's places where in Mexico where you wouldn't think, but there are Montreal Canadiens fans all well, over the world. I hear you get calls on the podcast. You take yeah. calls sometimes. I've only heard calls from Canada and the US, yes. but do you also get calls from other parts of the world. I, I do, yes, I do, and um, you know, it's something that I um, we introduced at one point last year. But I love taking calls before when I used to work on radio. I love connecting with the people. And I said to Nielo, I said, you have to get me set up so that I take calls here because, you know, I understand radio was radio and I understand podcasting was podcasting, but I still want to take some of the things I did on radio and bring them to the podcast world. And so now I'm taking calls as well. So once again, the, the, the podcast goes Monday to Friday at 10 p.m. And when I was working radio, <laughs> yeah. when I was working radio and I used to work at 10 a.m., when the Canadians would lose big or win big, people would go on social media or I would go and say, is it 10 a.m. yet? Yeah, people yeah. would have to wait until 10 a.m. Well, yeah. now they don't have to wait too long because it's 10 p.m. So yeah. if you watch the game, give or take 15 or 20 minutes later, I'll be on. So you 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 go live. I go live. Yeah. The podcast goes live Monday to Friday at 10 p.m. Yeah. I was able to negotiate Fridays off. Very huh? good. Nicely done. So I go Monday well, to never, Thursday. Well, they hardly ever play Friday night, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So I go Monday to Thursday at 10 p.m., and I put together a great list of collaborators. Uh, Monday's Eric Engels. Tuesday, game night, Maxim LaPierre. Wednesday's Craig Button. Thursday, game night, George Larac. On non-game nights, Mike Johnson. Grant McCagg, Simon Snake Boisvert, Anthony Martineau, Marc Andre Perrault, Charles Alexis Brisebois, Stu Cowan. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. The list goes on and on. Like so. very, very good. You have very good recall. Yeah, and you, you're merchandising as well, Tony. If yeah. you're just yeah. if you're listening and not watching on YouTube, Tony has a sick podcast. 
hoodie, I'm, and it says, is yeah. it 10 p.m. yet? I'm happy to say that, you know, we pay all our collaborators yes. that come on. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and, and That's because, great. You know what? Look. Not with I, coupons? I, I, said, I said to them, I said, guys, I can't be a collaborator on French sports radio and a collaborator on French sports television, get paid for my services as a freelancer, and then ask people to come on yeah, my podcast and do the same thing and not want to pay them. No, I, I mean, that I, doesn't I work that way, I right? I agree. And to show a level of seriousness, like this is a commitment. I want everyone... When I say you're on Monday night at 10 o'clock, I don't want to get a text message at 945 saying I can't make it. Now everyone feels a sense of responsibility. It's great. I want to talk to you about broadcasting in another language in a moment, but we have a couple of sponsors to thank, and we'll start by saying thank you to uh, one of our newest sponsors, the folks at AccuTech Electric. Do you know electricity, Tony? Can you rewire a house? You're Italian. You must know how to do wiring. <laughs> don't you guys know how to build stuff? I really, I don't even we know. Don't. To, I don't really know how to put a uh, a plug in the yeah, wall. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, that, here we got some someone for you to call. And this this is what surprised me, Tony, when these people called me and said, you know, we run this electric company, and and we we were hoping that we could be part of the podcast. And that you'll tell people what we do. And I said, I said, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Do you know anything about me and Ted Bird? I can't hammer a nail. I can plug in a lamp, but I don't know anything about electricity. AccuTech um, Electric is a family-run business. You know how we feel about family-run businesses. Uh, they've been at it for over 25 years. Tom is a second-generation master electrician. His father started the company all those years ago. And his father really believed in having a strong staff, educating the staff, providing them with a great work environment. These are all philosophies that we talked about uh, before he decided to uh, sponsor the podcast and Ted and I decided to go ahead with it. They do industrial, they do residential, they can do upgrades for your home. If uh, you're doing a new build, they can handle that. If you want to change lighting at a warehouse, they know how to do that. They can also steal you or steer you, I should say, into um, things like hydro rebates. They will help you make decisions about your uh, projects. Anything that uh, requires expertise when it comes to electric needs, Accutech Electric, that's what they do. AccutechElectric.ca uh, is where you can, oh, I'm sorry, it's AccuTech.ca. So A-C-U-T-E-C-H dot C-A. Um, go to the website, find out how to contact them. Uh, they'll be glad to talk to you. And of course, I don't need to tell you, safety is their number one concern. And as Ted and I always say, when it comes to electricity in the house, you don't want to... Uh, You'd like to have some. Yeah. <laughs> you should have That's a, what we always say. Yeah. It's always good to have fun. That should be their slogan. <laughs> AccuTech yeah. Electric. You should have electricity. <laughs> and Ac- we can help. Yeah. AccuTech.ca. See what I said about getting onto the podcast? Yeah. Call? Another okay. one of the uh, many things that Terry and I don't know how to do or don't know anything about is auto mechanics. Yes. And that's why we go to Urson. <laughs> <laughs> That would be Merson. That would be Thank Merson. You, Tony, Tony take you. over. That's why we go to Merson Automotive on St. Jacques, just west of Cavendish. The last thing you want to do is get hooked up with an unscrupulous mechanic. And the Mersons have been in business for three generations and over 50 years. They are trustworthy. And that's why multiple generations of families, of customers, Go to Merson because they know that that is a mechanic and a tire retailer that they can trust there. 
Yes. <laughs> family, run, <laughs> family run business. We've had it a long time. Yeah. And we the were just re- there the other day. We were. Yeah. And, and, and we saw Kara Urson and we, we had a nice. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and we took a selfie yeah. and I looked exactly like I look now, like this. <laughs> <laughs> it was my, I'm ready to have a nap. Can we finish the picture now? Yeah, and you're not even working this week. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm telling you, Tony, yeah. I'm I'm so looking forward to getting back to work next Tony. week so that I can get up at 3.30 oh, yes. in yeah. the morning yeah. and, uh, and go to bed at 11 and be done yeah. by 9. Yeah, because these yeah. full days of doing podcasts, uh, they're quite something. Tony Marinero <laughs> is funny because I sent uh, Ted a text message. Um, and I said to him, it was like one, one thirty in the morning or whatever. And I said, um, shoot me the address of your podcast studio when you have a chance. And he wrote back right away. I thought he was going to write back in the morning. And I said, I'm glad to see I'm not the only one who sleeps, uh, who doesn't, has a hard time sleeping at night. And he said, yeah, I, I usually wake up to pee at this time. I said, me too. I said, I said, I'll be up in another hour. I'll send you another text message. Yeah, that'd be my 64-year-old prostate. Mersonauto.com, by yeah, the way. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Salsa yeah, and uh, Salsa and Carol. <laughs> stop. Just stop talking. Hey, they've been around for a long time, huh? And yeah. Have, oh, yeah. Since 1970. That's, that's the sign of a great business, obviously, yeah. because they've been able to adapt with the times, and it's a sign that... Yes. You know, the customers trust the place. They've been there. They like it. Yep. They do a good job. They go back. It's Tony Marinero for Merson Automotive. <laughs> yes. They're going to they're gonna fire us and hire yeah, I him, know. and I wouldn't They'll blame them. They'll be on them. his podcast. I wouldn't blame them <laughs> yeah. one bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not one bit. I want to ask Tony a hockey question. Yeah, okay. Good. I actually have two hockey questions. All right, shoot. Because Tony is not only a very knowledgeable a hockey broadcaster and analyst, he's a very uh, intense Montreal Canadiens hockey fan. Let's go back to opening night at the Montreal uh, Forum in 1843. <laughs> no. Opening night at the Bell Center this year. It was fun, year. guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks are in town. Bedard's the next big thing. He's the 2023 first uh, overall draft pick. He's a generational talent. Every time he touches the puck, the fans boo. And I'm saying to myself, you assholes. What are you doing? And I tweeted, stop booing Bedard, you assholes. And I immediately got several responses saying, it's part of the game. It's a sign of respect. Yeah, well, it's something that happens only in Montreal, that they boo the best players in the world. Do you think it's a sign of respect? According to those who do it, I wouldn't do it. It's classless. Connor Bedard won your country a gold medal at the World Juniors. Yeah. He single-handedly put the country on his back. Mm-hmm. Two years younger than everyone else, broke all records for a player at the World Juniors. So I wouldn't do it. But over the years, they've done it to a lot of stars. Yeah, yeah. They used to do it to Bobby Orr in Toronto yeah. when yeah. Bobby Orr first came into the and Mind I, you, I didn't understand it yeah. then. I don't understand it now. I could be wrong, but I don't. They don't usually do it to francophones. Like I don't. I don't oh, remember. But yeah, the, the yeah. Mario Lemieux get booed. I, I think uh, you Sp- might have a uh, point Sp- there. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah, think Mario Lemieux. Yeah. Or Mike Bossy got booed once again. No, yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember what I ate last night. So. What, what's your other question? My other, one, other hockey uh, question. And I've I brought this up on the air when I worked at TSN six ninety. And uh, I was shouted down, shouted down. I think the Montreal Canadiens should retire number 11 for Saku Koivu. 
Second, see, I can tell from the look on his face he disagrees, and I want to hear why. But here's yeah. here's the argument I make for it. Second longest serving captain in the history of the franchise yes. after Jean Beliveau. Yeah. And what he went through yeah. publicly with his cancer battle, the two most powerful moments I've seen, maybe not only in that arena, but in hockey period. Well, no, there's the rocket, the rocket's ovation at the Bell Center. Yeah. Other than that... When Saku came back, which was back, the closing of the old forum. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry at the the old forum. When Saku came back, uh, the first time he appeared in civilians clothes at the uh, at the Bell Center after his cancer battle, mm-hmm. and the first time back in the lineup, the two most aside from the rocket at the forum, the two most powerful yeah. moments I've seen, and what he did for the community, yeah. and what he did for the Montreal General Hospital, all those things put together to me make a case. For retiring his jersey. Now. Yeah. So if he would have played for any other team other than the Montreal Canadiens, he probably would have had his jersey retired by now for sure. The challenge is, and, and, and it, this is the challenge, is that they haven't retired Jacques Lemaire or Steve Schutt's number. You take a look at the amount of goals yeah. they scored and the amount of points they put up. And so, but I, I totally get and understand what you're saying. So... There's got to be, for me, there's got to be something specially done for Saku mm-hmm. so that Saku is remembered in this city and in this province and in that arena more so than he is because they had a goodbye for him. Yeah, they had a Saku night. They had a Saku night, mistaken. yeah. Um, when I believe they were playing a regular season game versus Anaheim, which was his former team, and, and so, but... There's got to be something more for Saku, but I'm not in for Saku's jersey being retired just yet. And let's not forget, even though he was the second longest serving captain in the history of the organization, and he had a chance to pass the late, great Jean Beliveau, and that's one of the reasons why I think that they kind of stopped it at there. But it was among some of the toughest times for the Canadians, too. It was, you know, they weren't, they were okay back then, but they were not a powerhouse by any means. And, um, you know, their their management teams were okay. Mm-hmm. And they, they, the Canadians went through tough times when he was, you know, captain for that long. And But they got to do something more, for so, sure. So let me ask you, um, are did you? I'm done, yeah. yeah no, okay. I wanted oh, I to get his opinion. Yeah. And, and I respect, to, I respect yes. Tony's yes. opinion because yeah. he's very informed and he's a yeah. passionate Canadians fan. And he didn't shout me down, so yeah. that's good. Yeah. I'll never forget that morning on the yeah. radio. I was gobsmacked at, yeah. the, at the vitriol of the reaction. Yeah. How dare I suggest yeah. What's wrong that Saku Koivu's yeah. number be retired? No, I think you make you can make a great case for it for yeah. sure. Uh, Tony, what there's a couple of things about the the current organization. I'm curious to get your thoughts on. Um, where are we at? It's been a long, you know, other than the bubble years, it's called, it's been a long road. It's been a lot of, you know, a lot of bad luck. A lot of things have gone wrong over the years. And it's been a long time since we talked about a Stanley cup. Um, do you like the current organization? What's missing? What, it, what, what are the parts that are missing? Because, you know, some, some nights like the other night against Minnesota, you watch them and you go, Jesus Christ! Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like, oh yeah. Christ! Um, and and yet, you know, there's Suzuki and there's Caulfield and there's like a lot of these sort of, you know, standout yeah parts. So, but what's missing? So I, I I love the organization. 
Uh, I you like the new gang? You I, like I, the leadership team? I yeah. do very much. Yeah. I like Jeff Gordon, who's the executive vice president of hockey operations. I love Kent Hughes, who's the general manager. I love Marty St. Louis, who's the head coach. Um, does his staff uh, lack experience like Marty? Yes, they do. Uh, is there an area in terms of the front office or management team in which I am concerned about? I'm not sold on their scouting department just yet. It's a couple of years in. There's been some good moves, uh, some not so good moves, but at the same time, we're still relatively fresh and relatively young in that process. It's probably about five years after you draft players that we can start to see really in what direction they're headed. I am, I you know, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned there. I'm not so sure, but they're businessmen. They're stockbrokers. I'm talking about um, Gordon and Hughes. They have a plan. They're not going to sway from it. It doesn't matter who gets hurt. They won't trade a prospect to go out and get immediate help. It doesn't matter if they overachieve and they're on the cusp of getting a playoff spot. If they still think they're in the rebuild, they're not going to go out and once again give up a prospect to put them over the hump. They're gonna they're gonna stay the stay the course. So I really like them because they've taken emotion out of the equation. And I find that a lot of management teams that have been here in the past have made a lot of their decisions based on emotion. I love Marty St. Louis because he's giving them freedom to play the way players enjoy playing, to play By an instinct. offensive brand of hockey. Yeah. Just go out there and do your thing. And yeah. let's not even worry about defense right now. Uh, at one point, and, and so it's hard to attract unrestricted free agents when you're the Montreal Canadiens for the fact that, you know, it's Montreal, the tax situation, the language situation, this, that. We, we all know what's, you know, the orange cones everywhere and and all the potholes. Um, and there's there's no beach and it's not the greatest weather in the world either. Yeah. But it does have its charm. But it's still hard to attract great hockey players. When players start tying, like everyone loves to play for Marty St. Louis. Everybody. And so they tell other players around the league. Others, So at one point, Montreal is going to be a place where when the Canadians are going to turn the corner and they're going to be competitive, and I think that's going to be in a couple of years from now, I think the word around the league is going to be, if Marty St. Louis is still here, even better, I want to play for Marty. And if he's not, it's like, you know what? Gordon and Hughes know what they're doing. They got a plan. They're executing on it. And this team is going to go far. I want to be a part of it. So I really, really like what they're doing. Yes, I love them. And I think one day, I'll say this. I don't know if I've ever said this but th this about another management team before, but I really, truly believe deep down inside, as hard as it's going to be, and I fully recognize that, you know, out of 32 teams, only one wins the Stanley Cup. But I believe in the tenure of Gordon and or Hughes, the Canadians will win a Stanley Cup. That leads me into my next question. We talked with Mike Farber about this on an earlier episode or an episode of this season. And Mike Farber did a, a piece for TSN about the 30-year drought in Canada. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, 93 was the last time we celebrated a cup in this country. Yeah. Why do you think that is? When you look across the country and you look, let's take Edmonton, for example. Yeah. If I was an Edmonton Oilers fan, I would be going out of my mind with the talent that has gone through that town in the last five or six years. Ottawa's is another story. Toronto's another story. But what, do you think there's something that you can point to about Canadian teams that has us yeah. shitting the bed every year? Well, there's a couple of things. So number one, in those last 30 years, there's been two to three times more American teams than there are Canadian teams. So just on numbers alone, 
That's one reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, other than that, there's the um, there's the tax situation in some of the Canadian markets is obviously not good. That's the thing with players. It's, yeah, because they claim it isn't, but it is. You know, it is. Isn't yeah, it? they'll take home less money unless, of course, they're you're getting involved in whatever yeah. DFSAs and this and that stuff that's beyond my level of expertise. I think that would be a thing with anybody, though. That would be yeah. a thing with me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you can yeah. take home uh, this much uh, over here, or you can take home uh, quite a bit less over here. Well, I'm going to go for well, the uh, greater sum. It helped me you. move to Calgary. Yeah, no well, doubt. I went, yeah. what? Yeah. 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 How now, much? <laughs> now, how about this? If you're an unrestricted free agent, and I give you the opportunity, or you have the opportunity to sign with Los Angeles, Anaheim, San Jose, Dallas, Florida, Tampa, just to name a few. Are you going to want to play in Canada? Mm, yeah. If I told you that if you're going to play in Florida, that there's probably going to be four or five reporters in the room, not more, and you can show up. In your flip-flops. In your flip-flops <laughs> yeah. and in your shorts. Yeah. And after you leave practice, you can get in around the golf or you can go fishing for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah. Would you want to play in Canada? I, you know, I, I don't say these are the only reasons no. because everyone's situation, of course, is particular. Yeah. But I mean, with all due respect to Winnipeg, I've never been there before. Yeah. But you know, imagine yeah. having asking that question vis-a-vis Winnipeg. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's funny because just this week, as we're recording this, they're starting to freak out in Winnipeg because attendance has dropped way off. Yeah. yeah. There were about four to five thousand empty seats yeah. in the previous game. Yeah. yeah. Let me let me uh, turn. <clears throat> I said about twenty minutes ago. I wanted to ask you about broadcasting in French. Yeah, um, your French you learned on the street. I, I learned reading newspapers and right. watching you television. Said, yeah, and, and and so my French once again. If I haven't mastered the English language up until now, and I'm <laughs> yeah. going to turn fifty-one here, if I haven't mastered the English language, could you imagine French? When I signed on with BPM Sports and with TVA Sports Television, and uh, and I let, you know, my friends and family know. Someone in my family said to me, oh, what a bad move. And I said, why? And they responded, because your French isn't good enough. And I said, I know. And they responded and said, the Francophones in Quebec are just so going to not like you at all. (laughs) And I said, okay. And I said, I disagree with you. And they said, no, 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 trust me. I know based on prior experience and my work, this is the way it's going to go down. And I said, you could be right, but this is what I think. I think those who will be listening and watching will just so appreciate the fact that I'm trying my best to speak their language. And I don't think they demand perfection. No. I think they just want the effort more than anything else. And you know what else I think? I think you had a lot of Francophone listeners when you were on the TSN. I I think there were a lot of people who were hockey fans because the reality is in Montreal, Mm -hmm. most of us, including myself and Ted, Ted always says, Mon français est un... Un vrai catastrophe. <laughs> vrai catastrophe. Like, and I think most of us have an understanding. You listen to French sports radio all the time. Yeah, I listen to BPM sport. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and 
you know, I always preferred to watch Pierre Hood call the games on RDS. Yeah. And and I think the the same is true of, of French Canadian listeners. I think they're just they're fans first. They're not listening to you for your grammar. They're yeah. they're fan they're hockey fans first. I, I could be wrong. Once again, we're dealing with a lot bigger numbers, yeah, right? There's time. a lot more francophones yeah. in yeah. Quebec than there are Anglophones in Quebec. Uh, very, very passionate fan base, very, very yeah. passionate sports fans. But I, I think I was proven right. I mean, they've appreciated my efforts. Yeah. Um, I don't do one collaboration without probably throwing out a, a one or two English words because at times, instead of waiting for that word to actually come to my head to say this is the word, I just throw it out in English and they let it go. And the support has been unbelievable. I can tell you I'm so proud of the fact that my segments on radio and television have been really highly rated uh, in the last year and a half that I've been doing them, like among some of the highest rated segments on those respective networks. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm, I'm lucky, though. I'm really lucky. I have a fan base that's very loyal to me. I mentioned it before. It's kind of like a cult following. They care about me. I care about them, and I can't do it without them. But you, I'll tell you what, you've earned it, Tony, because yeah. I worked with Tony for a couple of years at TSN 690, and I came away uh, with two things from that. When people ask me about Tony Marinero, I say, A, to know him is to love him. Yeah. Because it's it's the nature of sports media, right? Yeah. Fucking Marinero, fucking asshole. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. You haven't met him. You yeah. don't know yeah. him. To yeah. know him is to love him. And I've seen the work ethic firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's what earns you listeners and followers and fans. If you mail it in, they especially no. sports fans, especially sports fans, they see that from a mile away. Well, yeah. you've got to work hard in order to earn their trust and in order to, you know, to establish the kind of credibility that Tony has. And he's earned it. He's yeah, earned everything he's got. I agree with got. you 100%. You know, like I, uh, Terry, I realize I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I get it, right? I'm None very, of us are. I'm, I, well, I never met anyone who said that, uh, you know, they didn't like Terry DeMonte. Well, you're doing a more polarizing yeah. Yeah. type of job sports. than Terry yeah. does, sports so media. That's exactly what it is, right? But, you know, there's I could either go in, do my show, and sit on the fence. Well, I, I think the power play some days is good, some days is I think it's okay. Now, if it sucks, I'm going to tell you it sucks. And if I think somebody should lose <laughs> yeah. their job, yeah. I'm going to tell you that I think somebody yes. should lose their job, right? And so I ruffle feathers, right? And it makes some people uncomfortable. It makes some people uneasy. And I ask pretty tough questions, and it makes some people uncomfortable. It makes some people uneasy. I call people out. Not everyone likes my style. It's okay. I... I'd rather everyone love me. Really, I do. But I know I'm not going to be unanimous. But I have to have my style. I am who I am. I never coached. I never played. So I don't have that credibility backing me up. I was the most passionate fan. And when I'm going to go on the air, whether it's radio, television, or podcasting, I'm going to be the passionate person that I am, full of passion, full of energy, and no shortage of opinions. What you see is what you get. I'm yeah. going to tell you people, what I think, whether you like it or not. People appreciate that. That's You know, you keep hearing this word in broadcasting, yeah. authenticity, authenticity. Just be who you are and yeah. say what you think. And if you don't agree with me, then, then that's fine. So having said all of that, right, I'd rather you love me. Well, But sure. I do know this, that even those who say effing marinero, yeah. they're saying effing because they're still listening and they're still watching. Yeah. Right. 
and I'm still getting a reaction. Out yes. Of it, yeah. You know? And yeah. so at the end of the day, that's what I want. Love you, me or hate me. Yeah. But keep listening to me and keep watching me. Do you yeah. think people tuned in for your singing? <laughs> I think people thought it was funny. I did too. I think I loved it because it was a display of your your passion. Yeah, it was passion that brought and that I, on. And I, you know, I come from an Italian background. Yeah, so. and Terry, I don't remember when was the last time I sang, but here it goes. Senti nell'aria c'è già la nostra canzone d'amore che va. Sing it, Peter. 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 And go say, look. Yeah, I think they got a double shift. They're best players. Double shift! They're best players! Say it, Peter! Well, we got the promo. Yeah. I often wondered how you didn't have a heart attack. Um, by the way, you grew up in LaSalle. Where's the best place to eat in LaSalle? I always get lost when I go into LaSalle. The place LaSalle. that pays me, Terry. But, but I know that. Well, you know <laughs> no what? free plugs, Terry. No, 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 no. No free plugs. I want I want to hear it because uh, I want to because yeah. I know for sure you would only speak on behalf of people who made good food. Yeah. So uh, for a very very long time, I I would go to La Campagnola mm -hmm. on Dollard, which okay. is authentic Italian. Yes. And so. Um, the the owners are Sicilian, so it's a lot of those traditions that I grew up with. Yeah. Uh, Bocce's has a great sub. Okay. Uh, Bocce's has a sub that uh, that you know you'd love to eat like once a week. It hits the spot. Yeah. And then um, Manzo's has a great sub. Yeah, that's too. a famous sub. Yeah, yeah so, but, but the Manzo sub. Yeah. Like that sub is the sub that if you're going to the electric chair in ten minutes, right. that's the last <laughs> meal because yeah. you, you won't be able to fit in anything else for right. the rest of your life. And um, and uh, Mark Gianni's obviously has some good sandwiches yeah. and. Uh, there's uh, there's a couple of cafes in the area as well, and uh, Richa Cafe. That uh, does, do you, does your family still do a traditional Italian thing on the weekend? No, no, no. My parents, uh, my dad's 84. Yeah, uh, his health is is you know it's been better. Yeah, uh, but he's he's a warrior. Uh, if I'll tell you that uh, his medical history is tumor in his colon, prostate cancer, prostate cancer, 32 radiation treatments. Oy. Um, bladder cancer, bladder surgery, whoa, chemotherapy, whoa, skin cancer, surgery, um, bile duct surgery, man, gallbladder removed, kidney stone surgery twice, diabetic on insulin, Oof. twice on the verge of a diabetic coma, twice hospitalized for infections on his feet, almost to the bone, and he smokes a couple of packs a day. Jesus. Still, yeah. So that's my dad. My mom's, yeah. my mom's in better health, but of course she's had to take care of my right, dad of so course. much yeah. that uh, so we we but we'll we'll always get together on the uh, so you know it's funny because you say do you still do the thing on the weekends? I I still probably eat at my mother's like three times per week. Okay, hence yeah. this is what you see is what you get. Yeah, right, Italian. And uh, and um, but uh, I do go over to my mother-in-law's. Yeah. Yes, no, we we. Family's important to us. Gotcha. Family's important to us. Um, want to touch on the on the boys, if you don't mind. Are you yeah. a, are you a soccer fan? Uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. My wife is a Premier League fan, and when we got married, I slowly start to got I began to get drawn into the game, and we never miss matches on a Saturday, and yeah. so we absolutely love it. And I love the Premier League. 
I'm just so enamored with it. I, I I was so surprised because I, you know, as a typical Canadian hockey fan who thought soccer was so boring, and it yeah. isn't. It's really fantastic. Well, and your boys are really talented, right? Yeah. Well, my 20 year old was was playing um, professionally in Spain, fourth division. Um, he didn't have a great experience. He was playing in a small village. The only one who spoke English on the team. He wasn't buddies with yeah. anyone on the team. It it, it was tough. Um, we had just come out of COVID, and so he had left the home. He suffered a hip injury, uh, and he suffered a back injury. Yikes. His injury is a little bit complex, so it's taken a while to try and fix. According to the specialists we've seen, he's probably going to have that kind of issue, uh, which comes with some discomfort and pain uh, for the rest of his life. So he's... We're trying to find the solution there. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, uh, he'll he'll find something else to do. My 18-year-old is playing U19 second division in Portugal. Wow. And so, uh, you know, which is, it, I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, and I'm really happy for him because he really wanted to pursue this. Like, he wants it badly. So he's in Portugal. He's yeah. in Portugal, but it's you must for me, yeah, for me who's, who have been driving these boys wow. to soccer ever since they're four years old. Yeah. The fact uh, to be so far away from my that, son and, um, you know, I was, I was there. Uh, I was there at the end of August until the middle of September with him. Yeah. But then I had to get back for work. Uh, doing radio, TV, and podcasting, which you can do at a distance, gives you a certain flexibility. Yeah. So I'll go back at some point, mind you. Uh, if you're going to watch the Canadians game and then go on after the game, it's going to be like four o'clock in yeah. the morning in Portugal or whatever yeah. it is. But um, so I'm really happy for him, but it's really tough for me. Yeah, it must be as his dad. It must be very tough. Yeah, very tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ted, you have to do another commercial for. Uh... You know what? I want to talk about Italians. Okay, Tony will get this. All right. Jaguar Land Rover Laval, Nino and Renato Di Cubellis. They have a private loge at Place Bell. So they invited Terry and I to go to uh, the Rocket game the other night. I saw the pictures on social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, the whole family was there. It was a fam it was an Italian family affair. Nino and Renato were there. His dad. Their dad, the dad. patriarch, Vilio, was there. Uh, Nino's sons, uh, Sergio and Vilio, were there. They went to Italy this summer... The grandparents, the sons and daughters, the grandsons and granddaughters, the great-grandsons and great-granddaughters, they all went to Italy together. And they rented a bus and they drove all around. And, of course, they went back to the homes where the grandparents grew up. His dad uh, went to the home where he was born, and he didn't know the people who live there now. And the people said, oh, you used to live here? Come on in. And they took him to the room where he yeah. was born. Wow. And I know that has nothing to do with Jaguars or Land Rovers, but the reason we like to go down that route when we talk about uh, Jaguar Land Rover Laval is, is it's a family-run business with a family atmosphere. They treat Terry and I like family. They treat their staff like family. They treat their clients like family. And it just makes such a huge difference in the consumer experience when you're treated like that. If you are in the market for an upscale uh, automobile, uh, SUV, Land Rover, or uh, uh, a sporty sedan, or or a coupe, a Jaguar. Uh, don't go, or don't buy anywhere else until you go to Jaguar, Land Rover, Laval. And tell them Terry and Ted sent you, and uh, ask them for uh, ask them for. Well, you won't have to ask them for an espresso because they'll have one waiting for yeah. you. Yeah. 
there. Yeah, Wonderful we, people. We always said it was odd that a Jaguar dealership wasn't serving tea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I've always wondered, yeah. you know, if they would be torn if England and Italy met in the World Cup yeah. final. Did they in the last World Cup? Who played in the last World Cup final? Uh, they uh, they beat them at the Euro. Oh, it was uh, a yeah. Euro. Yeah, okay, yeah. Euro. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know what? I do know. They would yeah. in a million years they wouldn't yeah. cheer for England, would they? It would have to be Italy. <laughs> yeah. They'd give yeah. up the dealership if yeah. they had to cheer for England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what am I even thinking? They beat them in their own backyard in penalty shots. Yeah. That's the worst wow. way to lose. Yeah, that was a killer. Yeah, it was that's... an absolute killer. Because my my wife is a massive uh, Manchester United fan. Really, yeah. So I had to be quiet because yeah, she, was, I, she I, was cheering for yeah, England. Yeah, me too. I felt so bad for England when Italy yeah. beat them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, our last uh, our last tip of the cap is uh, actually somewhere we should take you right now. <laughs> I need to go there. I need to go to Metalabunner and I need to lie down on one of their spectacular mattresses and have a little nap. I brought Ted uh, to the very first location of Metalabunner. It opened years ago on Gwen Boulevard in Saint Genevieve. It's such a beautiful store, and uh, as always, every location that you go to is run by an amazing staff who welcome you with open arms and. We'll tuck you in, just like Ted got tucked in uh, by the manager, Kevin, when uh, Ted was looking for some bedding the other day. Um, so I took him to the Matlab on our story. What a made. great name when you think about it, right? Because yes. every time you hit the mattress, whether you're yeah. sleeping or you're doing something else, there's a lot of bonheur that comes yeah. out of it, let me tell you. <laughs> That's exactly right. And they, uh, they again, family-run, family family-owned. They deal with mostly Canadian and Quebec suppliers. They're very proud of that. They're very proud of their staff. And you'll see, Ted knows this now, it's a different kind of shopping experience. Well, where else would you go where they tell you to take off your shoes and lie down and yeah. then they tuck you in? I needed a duvet and he actually got me to lie on the bed and he put the duvet on top of me and he said, how does that feel? Yeah. And I rolled over and said, I'll let you know in a couple hours. <laughs> Nighty uh, night. <laughs> uh, mattresses, bedding, and you can shop online at matlabonheur.ca and use the Terry and Ted promo code and get a really, really nice discount, not just online, but uh, in the store. Tony, you've been very, very generous with your time. Uh, thank you. I've really yeah. enjoyed this. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. this As have I. Fun. And I'm so happy for your success. Yeah, we Tony. really thank are. You. We're thrilled for you, Tony, yeah. because <clears throat> you took all of the breaks that were presented with you or to you, and you combined it with hard work, and you proved the naysayers wrong, and um, you 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 left you left smaller things for bigger things, and that's that's what anybody wants when they're trying to plan yeah. a career. I'm happy for you. Good Thank for you, you, Terry. Look, make no mistake, I radio was my first love. Absolutely. I'll, I'll Mine always too. love it. Right? He, he yeah, reminded right? me right? when he was telling yeah. the story off the top, it reminded me of you. You were like like that when, before you ever got into the business. Yeah, I was glued I, to the radio, wanting to meet yeah. those guys. And still to this day, this because of the way the radio business is now, and because I don't speak French. Yeah. This is all I got. Yeah. I mean, this and 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 it's not that I need to do it. I'm I don't have to have a you know, nobody has to have a fundraiser for me. I put money away, and I'm properly retired. I could use but a I, fundraiser, but, but anyway, I, I enjoy it. I still enjoy it. I still yeah. love having these conversations in front of a microphone. I still get a kick out of it. So it do never I. Goes, and, and, you never know goes what? Away. So the podcast that I do, I obviously do it at a distance, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's not in studio. Yeah. So today, for me to be here, yeah, and we're doing it in studio. It feels like feels like radio, like a, radio little bit, yeah. Yeah. a little bit, right? This is so, why I fly in for it, because I, so I want that vibe. Yeah. I love today. Yeah. And you know Thank what? You. Like I said, I love the radio. 
And, you know, there's no regrets. I'm not going to lie to you because I'm an open guy. There's one pain in my heart, and it would stare and it'll never go away. I would have loved an opportunity to say goodbye. Yeah. Right? I yeah. think you had that opportunity. Yeah, I did. And, right? Yeah, not everyone I was, does. I was grateful for that. Having said that, right? I'm such an emotional type. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be able to get through it. Yeah. I know I, you got emotional on your last But it would have been I, real. I, Tony, yeah, that would have been fine. Because it would have been real. That was right? me. I was always just myself on the air. Yeah. And uh, bun clack at the end there. I just, you know. They, you know yeah. I, 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 I'm my, it's like you're talking about. I'm, I was myself. Yeah, I remember. I, I really remember <clears> that day. And I listened to the whole show. But the one that really got to me was... Uh, Pure Hood uh, yeah. asking uh, for "Can't Stop Loving You" yeah. to be the song, yeah. and uh, it was it was very yeah, touching. He was, I he mean, was it, very emotional. Yeah, he was very yeah. emotional. Yeah. You were too, and, and was, so and so were yeah. all of we. Yeah, listening by That's the way, nice. and so look, I um, I loved it. Uh, I've turned the page. No more looking back. I'm yeah. looking forward. I'm doing really well. What I really love the most out of everything is right now. I I have flexibility and I have time. I can do what I'm doing, what I love doing anywhere in the world. I, I mean, I, I went to Portugal. I stayed there for three weeks. I came back 10 days later. I went to Florida with my other son. We went to watch Lionel Messi. Oh, nice. You know, wow, we spent wow. $2,000 on four tickets. Yeah, and he yeah, didn't yeah, play, yeah. And he didn't play because he was hurt. <laughs> oh, right. my God. God. Right? Jesus But you Christ. know what the good news yeah. is? I could afford the $2,000, yeah, right? <laughs> I could actually think of, of actually buying the tickets, but all kidding aside, Radio was great for me. Podcasting has been amazing. The flexibility. I love the people. I love my audience. I love my sick army. I love my sick community. I've had a chance to meet legends like yourselves. For me today, this is a day I'm never going to forget being in studio oh, with you guys. That's very kind. Thank yeah, you, Tony. You're very welcome. The Sick Podcast, Tony Marinero, our special guest today. Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast has been brought to you by the UPS Store Canada. The UPS Store near you is locally owned and operated by a member of your small business community. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.